The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I mustn't have been paying attention. Alrighty. Hey, how you guys doing? Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention Podcast. <clears throat> Let me clear my throat a little bit. I'm, I'm a little verklempt from the in- incredible coffee that I got from Sean the Barista. And uh, Sean's going to have... A, we, we keep saying this and it hasn't happened yet um, because the cu- last couple of times I called him up here, he, just, he was nervous and he wasn't ready. But I promise you by the first show in May, Sean the Barista is going to have his own segment on the show. And um, we have lost... Fred and Meredith, breaking news. Forever? We've, yeah, we've lost Fred and Meredith. Uh-huh. Um, they got a, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can't say who it is, but they just pulled a really big contract with somebody running for the United States Senate because they do political consulting, and it's really kind of taken all their time, and they do a little bit of traveling, um, and usually it's Wednesday and Thursday when they travel, so they haven't been able, I said, well, how about you guys just do it by Skype? Translation, can we just have Meredith by Skype? And... Um, yeah, we could crop Fred out. Yeah, I mean, just crop I, I have the like, ability to do that. Right? And, and they were like, no, we're usually on the road. And I'm like, well, can't you Skype in like, from your phone? Like, she, well, you drive. She'll be in the passenger seat. And she can Skype in with her phone while you guys are driving around. He's like, no, nah, that's not going to work. So uh, we are looking for an, uh, an anchor. We need, an, we need a female anchor. Um, and so in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be uh, trying some people out. I'm going to be interviewing some people. Uh, we'd like to get a, a, a good-looking female anchor that can do what Meredith did, but I don't know that we can find anybody that can do what Meredith did, so we're just going to try and figure it out. We might bring Ke- Kiana back from time to time. I get a lot of requests to get bring Kiana back. Uh, I look really, really good in a skirt. I'm you just do? Not yeah, all, I'm not very well-spoken, and I don't read well. Listen, if I'm going to flirt with anybody, it's going to be Sean the Barista. At least he's gay. That's a right? fair point. If I, if, I, if I flirt with a straight guy, that's not going to work. No, it's you got really with a, no Flirting chance. with a gay guy really doesn't work for me, but maybe it'll work for other people. I don't know. I'm game, right? Or maybe it works for Sean. Or maybe you're, it works for Sean. I'm, 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 I'm sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> so we have no Fred and Meredith, and we're going to be looking for a female, at least a female anchor. Maybe we'll do two and see if we can get the dynamic back that we had with Meredith and Fred. Um, in the meantime, we've given Paul the week off. His dad passed away, and so oh, our shit. prayers... Our prayers to Paul Morano and his family. Um, he had been sick, and um, Paul had uh, been spending a lot of time up there with him, and he passed away, I guess, a couple of days ago. So he's um, doing family stuff today. I told him he could take the day off. And um, we have a guest coming in. He's not here yet, but we have a guest coming in, uh, Joe Espinola. From, he's a former Lowell police officer. I think Lowell, maybe Drake it. But I know he's a former police officer, and he is running for state senate for the Senate seat that is now held by Babs Latalian, Barbara Latalian. Um, I, I like to talk, call her talking point Latalian, but it, it, that seems kind of disrespectful. And uh, I'm trying really hard to get along with her. Like we have this love, hate, love, love, hate, hate relationship with her. Um, and I'm just trying to be good because I'd like her to participate in the stuff that we do. But we invited her to the bash again this year, our charity bash. How did that go? She didn't show up. And... You know, last year she was supposed to show up. Her entire staff of her office bought a table, and they came, but she didn't. And so I expected this year she would be there, and she wasn't. And I know that I shouldn't be making decisions uh, when it comes to the show or the newspaper based on who shows up at our charity bash, but sometimes I do because I'm a human being. And it just, it grates me that we have a a packed room of voters that she can take advantage of, that she could have come to, and she probably would have gotten a couple of votes out of the room, and we would have given her a microphone. We would have let her get up and say something or, you know, make a pitch or whatever she wanted to do like Jeff Deal did, candidate for U.S. Senate. 
Um, but she didn't show up, and she didn't even bother to call and say, hey, look, I can't come, but here's $100 for the scholarships for the ROTC kid or for the Whittier kid or whatever. We gave out a lot of scholarships that night. Um, you know, we got nothing out of her. And it's just it's hard for me to go out of my way to try and promote a candidate or give a candidate an opportunity to promote themselves when I've given them opportunities and they just blow it off. So we have uh, a, a number of people running for her seat. She's stepping down as a state senator. And she's running for Nikki Songus's congressional seat, the seat that's at least being held right now by Nikki Songus. There's a lot of people. There's like 15 people in that race. Quite frankly, I don't, I don't see how Barbara gets past the primary with Juan and Matias in that race. Um, Barbara Latalia needs the city of Lawrence to win. Juana Matias is a Latino. She's from Lawrence, and she's going to win Lawrence. She's got a Lawrence address, and she's got a Spanish last name. So no one's going to beat Juana in Lawrence, and that, I think, kills Barbara's chances of winning. Um, her seat now, Barbara's seat, state senate seat, um, you have former senator, the guy that held the seat before her, Barry Feingold, is rerunning for that seat. And Barry's got more money than God, and his wife's got even more than that. And so he's automatically the front runner as the former senator. He's a former candidate for state treasurer. You know, and Barry's not a, not a bad guy. Like, he's, he's an okay guy to, like, go have a coffee with. But I just remember when he was a state senator, all he did was carry Willie Lantigua's water, the mayor of Lawrence at the time. And he's, he's one of the guys that walked through the $15 million bailout bill. Uh, he, he, I, I sat in the room in the legislature when he testified for that bill for that loan, to give Willie Lantigua $15 million because Willie Lantigua blew $15 million more than his budget allowed. And what he and Dave Teresi at the time told the legislature was just a total friggin' lie. He said that if we don't give them the $15 million, um, we're gonna have, that Lawrence is going to have to lay off police officers. Lawrence is going to have to lay off firefighters. And in a city like Lawrence, we shouldn't be doing those things. And so the legislature approved a $15 million bailout loan for Willie Lantigua and Lawrence. Willie took the money. Willie blew the money. And then he laid off 29 cops, 28 firefighters, closed two fire stations anyway. Wow. After he got the money. And so I went over to Barry Feingold, who was the senator at the time, and said, hey, you can ask for the money back? Because I sat there when you, when you sat in front of the legislature and you told them that Lawrence needs this money to stop the layoff of cops and firefighters, and you guys gave him that money, and then he blew the money, and then he laid off cops and firefighters. And you can ask for it back. That's it's a simple question. I couldn't get an answer out well, of it. Well, if it's a loan, doesn't he have to pay it back at yeah, some point the city's anyway? Gotta, yeah, the city's got to pay it back, but the whole premise behind the loan was to stop the, stop the layoff of cops and firefighters. And he got the money, and he didn't, it didn't prevent the layoffs of cops and firefighters because he used the money for stupid shit. He used the money for other stuff, as we knew he would. Those who testified against that bill, that, that $15 million bailout loan, laid it out really, really succinctly for the legislature. If you give Willie Lantigua $15 million, he's not giving it to the cops, and he's not going to give it to the firefighters. And we were right. But when we went back to them as individuals, like Barry Feingold, and said, hey, you know, WTF. Are you going to at least ask, are you going to are you going to ask for the money? Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to penalize him? Are you going to not give him more money when he comes in? And it was well, you know, his Barry Feingold's answered everything. Well, you know, cheese, it really needed at the time. Nothing you can really do. And cheese, you know, hey, Tom, you should stop smoking, Tom. Tom, you know, I've been telling you for a long time you should stop smoking. It's always this mamby pamby sissy answer that you get that doesn't tell you anything from Barry Feingold. And then when he's done with his little sissy mamby pamby answer, he does everything he can to change the topic to something else. Usually you, because most people like to talk about themselves, right? That's true. So he's very skilled at deception. He's very skilled at distraction. Um, he's not very skilled at answering real questions. Um, we called Barry about our, about our charity bash this year, asked him if he would come. The answer was no. Fine. At least I got an answer. I could get an answer out of Barbara Italian. So at least I got an answer. Um, and then I wrote him back and said, well, geez, you know, we're raising money for scholarships for kids in Lawrence. You know, would you like to make a donation to help the kids in Lawrence? Joe Espinola gave us money, right? He's running for state senate. Barry Feingold, not a dime. Not interested. Not interested in anything the Valley Patriots doing. And I think it's because I don't kiss his ass like the Tribune does. 
I don't kiss his ass. I don't ask what, only the questions he wants me to ask. And I certainly don't accept the sissy answers that I get when I don't get a real answer. We knew Barry was running because last August when um, Jeff Riley made an announcement that he was quitting as the superintendent for the city of Lawrence, I showed up at, the, at that event at the South Lawrence East School and for the first time since he was on the ballot last time, I saw Barry Feingold. So I walked over and I went, hey, Barry, what are you running for? And he says, whoa, 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 what do you think I'm, why do you think I'm running for anything? I said, because the only time I see you is when you're on the ballot for something, and we haven't seen you in four years, so you must be running for something. And he went, well, I don't, I don't know. I get the typical, eh, you know, I don't know. Jeez, hey, Tom, stop smoking. Tom, that's ter- terrible smoke. You know, it's very bad for you. I'm concerned about you, Tom. That was the answer that I got. So... Um, we now know he's running for Senate. We know Mike Amano from Lawrence. He's a uh, Lawrence uh, firefighter. is running for Senate. Uh, it's going to be a very packed race. The Congress race is going to be a very packed race. And so my goal on this show and in the Valley Patriot newspaper is going to be to highlight all of the candidates the best that I can. But I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a human being and I'm not perfect. So the people that I'm going to highlight more are the people who actually do stuff people who actually answer questions, people who show up at charity events and actually give something, unlike some people who show up at charity events so they can be announced, and the minute you announce them, they leave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I mean, we have that happen too. As soon as I announce that so-and-so candidate for whatever is in the room, I look up five minutes later and they're gone, right? But at least they were there, so I do announce them. If there's people in the room, I always announce them if I can. Uh, I forgot to announce Joe Espinola, who was actually in the room during my charity bash, so we want to make it up to him by getting him on the show. Um, and he has showed up, so I want to just burn through a couple of really quick things. I'm going to take a break, and we're going to get him up here and talk about his campaign. Um, we have got a great story, Mr. Jonathan. All right. You know, normally we come in here, we talk about news stories, and we're shaking our head about the stupidity and ridiculousness of, you know, what's most things. most things that people do in the news. But this week, we've got a really great story. So... Most people uh, who follow me know that I, I chase police calls in Lawrence. I get my scanner, and I chase police. If there's a shooting, if there's a fire, if there's an accident, we like to go. We like to go live on Facebook. So people who follow us don't have to wait for tomorrow's newspaper. They know what happened. And I was out driving around. Um, it, while I'm out doing all of this, I've got a friend, Deb Carberry, who helps homeless people. And I'm like, what are you helping homeless people for? Like, what's that all about? So she kind of told me what she does. She runs a group called uh, Someone Cares, Everybody Cares, something like that. Someone Cares, Care Packages for Homeless People. She gets a bunch of kids together once a year, and they put care packages together with socks and underwear and toiletries, underarm, things that homeless people need. And she said, you know, while you're out driving around chasing police calls, would you mind, you know, if you see a homeless person, give them a care package? I'm like, great idea. I'm out there anyway, right? So long story short, if it's possible at this point... Um, I do a lot of work with Randy Carter and John Radka at Veterans Northeast Outreach. They help homeless veterans. So while I'm out giving care packages, I always ask homeless people, do you know anybody that's out here that's a veteran? And um, we've already helped one veteran get off the street, Steve Gonzalo. Uh, He's at Veterans Northeast now. Last week, um, there's this guy that we've been looking for for a year and a half. His name is Ricker White. And every time I go to a soup kitchen... Every time I give a care package to a homeless person, every time I see a homeless person panhandling, I stop and I ask him, hey, you know a guy named Ricker White? I understand he's a veteran and he's out here, but I've never, I don't know what he looks like and I've never seen him. And we've not been able to find this guy. I was actually starting to wonder if he even existed. How is he on your radar at that point? Well, because when we cleaned out Tent City, there was an area in Lawrence under the bridge called Tent City, and the city, cle- the city took everything down and cleaned it up because it was really kind of a criminal enterprise down there. And... A gentleman named Anil, who was the homeless coordinator for the Lawrence Mayor's office, Dan Rivera's office, uh, and I were down there one day, and he said, Tom, I know that you like to help homeless veterans, and I just want to let you know that there's a guy out here that I met. He actually met him, whose name is Ricker White, and he's a veteran. He was in Vietnam. And so that was like, I don't know, like a year ago, right? So I've been looking for this guy ever since. So just by happenstance, we got a call from a girl named Carrie, who runs a soup kitchen that I never knew existed behind the boys' club along the river on Bay State Road in Lawrence. And she said, I've got a couple of guys that come down here to eat at least a couple times a week, and they're both veterans, or at least they both say they're veterans. And if you want to come down and meet them, I'll be happy to make the introduction. So we did. I went down last Saturday. 
Um, met with this elderly gentleman. He was in Vietnam. He was on an aircraft carrier. I'm listening to his story. And I said, look, we've got friends at Veterans Northeast Outreach, and under like a day or two, we'll get you into veteran housing. You'll never have to sleep on the street again. Like, if you're really a veteran and you're not lying to us, we'll help you. And no, 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 I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't want that. I have a lot of freedom out here, and okay, fine. I said, listen, if you ever change your mind, let me know. So that night, um, I f he sleeps at the bus station on Common Street in Lawrence. I pulled up, and I gave him a couple of blankets, and he said, you know, I've been thinking about it. Um, if you want to meet with me tomorrow, uh, I might be ready to go to veteran housing. It's really cold out here. <laughs> so I said, good. But he wanted one more night. One more. So I said, all right, fine. So the following day, Randy Carter from Veterans Northeast Outreach, who's just an amazing individual. He's a veteran. Abraham, I'm sorry, I don't know his last name, also came with us. We did uh, an interview with, with this gentleman. And while we're talking to him, I said, now, I'm sorry, what, what, is, what is your name? And he said, you can call me Rick. I said, well, like, what's your real name? Like, what's your full name? He said, Rick or White. And I almost fell off my chair. No kidding. I'm like, you're the guy I've been looking for for a year and a half that's been out. How long have you been out here? He's like, ah, oh, a year and a half or so. Last night, he spent the night in his own bedroom, in his own apartment, at Veterans Northeast Outreach in Haverhill on Reed Street. Um, he went to Bedford on oh, – let me back up real quick. So he said he wanted to go, and um, you know, we met with him th that following day, and Randy Carter tried to get him into a unit that night. Normally, if we can find a veteran on the street and I can get him in my car, we can put him in a unit that night. Like, he'll have his own bedroom, his own place to stay, warm, with food in the fridge, with food in the cupboards. The people at Veterans Northeast really have an amazing facility there. And we couldn't, we couldn't get a unit for him that night. And he said, that's okay, I'll sleep at the bus station tonight, pick me up in the morning. So we walked away and, you know, everybody was kind of feeling good, but I was feeling kind of crappy because it was cold. And I knew that night he was going to be sleeping at the bus stop. And so I was on Facebook Live and I was doing an update for the people on my Facebook page because they show up at my office every day with like bags of clothes and socks and things for homeless veterans when I run into them. And this woman named Sabrina Shepard, who I've never met, popped up on my Facebook page and said, Tom, if you want to go back and pick him up, I just called the Holiday Inn Express and I booked a room for him for the night. If he's going into veteran housing tomorrow, he shouldn't be sleeping on the street tonight. Wow. Now, this is not a woman I've ever met. She's not someone I know. She's not someone I've ever corresponded with. I don't think she came to our charity bash. She's just someone who follows us on Facebook. So this morning, I texted Randy. That was on Monday night. So Monday night, he spent the night at Holiday Inn. Uh, he gave them no problems. Randy and Abraham picked him up on Tuesday morning. They brought him to Bedford because if you're a veteran, you've got to go through like the physical and the sure. intakes. Yeah. Last night, he spent the night in, in a room. So we got Steve Gonzalo, and we now have Ricker White, two guys that were a month ago sleeping on the street in the cold who now have their own places because they're veterans, and they serve their country, and they goddamn well deserve it. Absolutely. So that was a, I, think, I thought that was a great story. I think Randy... Carter and John Radka and, and Abraham and all of the guys at Veterans Northeast Outreach, they've done such an amazing job at setting up a facility so that if you're a homeless veteran, or even if you're not a homeless veteran, if you're a veteran that just needs help with something, you can go there and it's like one-stop shopping. They'll walk you through benefits. They'll help you fill out your paperwork. If you're having problems with your health insurance, if you're having problems with the VA, they will help you. And the best part about Veterans Northeast is that if you donate $100, you donate $1. 100% of what you give goes to a homeless veteran. All of their administrative costs are covered by grants from the VA. So there's no overhead for these guys. They go to work every day. They get paid for by grants. And so the people who donate stuff, 100% of what you donate is going to go to an actual homeless veteran. And uh, I, I can't say enough about them. I would like to get them on the show at some point to have, uh, to have you know, to talk about a little bit more, Jonathan. But um, yeah. But that was, uh, that was our feel-good story of the week. Now, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with these guys. Uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes they relapse, right? Yeah. And you find them back out on the streets. And some people who are addicted, sometimes they got to go through getting clean three or four times before it, before before it takes. Sticks, yeah. But the guys at Veterans Northeast are dedicated to working with these two guys and making sure they stay clean and making sure they stay off the streets. And... Um, I can't thank them enough for what they do, because in the United States of America, the most powerful country in the face of the earth in the history of humanity, there should be no such fucking thing as a homeless veteran. Amen to that. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Joe Espinola, candidate for state senate. 
We'll ask him about some of this stuff, maybe some of the stuff he can do to help some of the homeless veterans. Former police officer, we'll ask him about some of those public safety issues too. Back after this one, paying attention. Let's thank our sponsors. We want to thank Fred the Barber on uh, South Broadway in Lawrence. A $15 haircut. You can't beat that. Fred the Barber is sponsored by Ken DeLuca, who is a customer of Fred the Barber, who um, so came to the office and said, you know, I want to help your show, and I want to help Fred the Barber, so I'm going to buy a sponsorship for Fred the Barber. That's and awesome. At some point in the next couple of days, i got to go get my haircut again. So I shop with the people who do business with us. And my crew shops with the people who do business with us. So my writers, my advertisers, people who support our show, because they support us, they will do business with the people who are doing business with us. Then you get A&M Auto Body. We get our friend Angelo over there, Angelo Memolo over there. And uh, he does uh, great work on your car. So if you've got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you've got a mechanical problem, you bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. You drop your car off, you walk down half a block to Fred the Barber, get your hair cut while you're waiting, and you go back to uh, pick up your car, and Angel will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. Then we got Joe Zingales, Rosanna Zingales Lopez from Century 21. They have been with us from the very first edition of the Valley Patriot. They've been with us from the very first Paying Attention show, which was in 1999, back when he was Remax. He's not Remax anymore. Now he's Century 21, Team Zingales. And they sponsor our bash. They gave a $1,000 scholarship this year. They gave a $2,000 scholarship last year. And that money comes right out of their pocket. That's not like they're collecting money from other people and just using it like I do. They actually took money out of their pocket. So I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guard. Um, security guard. I'm not really a guard, but like an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person and you're short... I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. Communicating with my new wife on Facebook. She's in the Dominican Republic. She's 23 and she wants to become an American citizen. I said, hey, I can make that happen. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a quid pro quo though, right? I mean, you know, not for anything. But if I'm going to help you become a citizen, there's got to be something in it for me. Oh, she can just walk up to Mexico. Yeah, well, that's true. She could, but it's a long walk. Yeah. And she's in the Dominican, so she'd have to get to Mexico first. It might be easy to just marry me. So uh, thank you. Welcome back. This is Tom Duggan on the Paying Attention podcast. 18,000 downloads in the first three months. That's right. And I'm willing to bet that April we're actually, we've, we've gotten even more. So I appreciate that. You can download the show on Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Podbean, and Google Play. Did I miss one? Oh. I think, did you say iTunes? iTunes, yep. Yeah, you got it all. Yep, and you can watch us on face on uh, YouTube. Most people don't watch us on YouTube. We have like nine people watch us on YouTube. And then 18,000 people downloaded with the audio, which is great. I think people just like listening to us in their, in their uh, iPod or their iPhone. In the studio today, we have Joe Espinola, who is a candidate for state senate. Uh, I was a little surprised when I saw that he was going to run for this because I really kind of thought like he was – he was more like into the local stuff, selectmen, and maybe state rep. But I didn't really see him running for state senate. So when I learned that he was, I said, we got to get him on the show. Because I don't think that people outside of the Drake at Lowell area really know who this guy is and what he's done. And I think he's going to be a great candidate. 
And so we thought we'd bring him in today and, and give a little pitch, and maybe I can pick his brain a little bit about how he feels about stuff. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing fantastic. Right. Thanks First for having me, First of all, thank you for helping our charity bash, unlike You're more than welcome. Barry Feingold, who has more money than God and could have very easily written a check for $100 for a kid to get a scholarship from Lawrence High School. We chose not to do that. You did. You have way less money than he does. And Joe Espinola called and said, listen, it's, if it's for a kid, I'm in. Yes. And he wrote a check for us, and we appreciate that. And I apologize for not thanking you with the microphone that night. Oh, it was a great night. We're going to make up for it here, though. There you go. So tell people a little bit about you. Who are you, and why did you decide you wanted to run, of all all things, State Senate? (laughs) My name is Joe Espinola. I actually uh, was in law enforcement uh, for over 20 years. Um, I've I've been uh, I've taken the oath of office uh, four times and only one was as a, a politician. I'm currently the uh, chairman of the board for uh, Greater Lowell School Committee. And that's uh, got to be tough. In, school committees school committees are brutal. It, it it does get a little bit challenging. We just went through um, a, a large rehab um, out there with a, with a new construction problem uh, project of uh, 65 million. Ran into a couple of uh, snags, but uh, all in all, we had some really good people working for us, and, and it worked out great. And I have, I have a uh, construction background, so it helped me. Uh, as soon as I, I took my seat, uh, we, we hit the ground running with uh, things. And I also have a hazardous waste licenses. So uh, You know what people uh, hear when they hear that, though? They hear yeah. corruption. Yeah. That's what they hear. <laughs> they hear construction, hazardous waste. Uh, you know, this guy's on the tank. Yeah. But Oop. you were a former law enforcement officer, so yes. that's probably not the case in, in your It's not. No, okay. no. Right. I, I'm a volunteer. I've coached uh, just about every sport that you can think of. Um, Any time there was a volunteer. And, and you mentioned – uh, things about veteran. I'm also um, on a board that you serve on, uh, the honorary uh, board for veterans assisting veterans with our, our good friends, uh, John McDonald, uh, over there. And uh, I know the guys from the the Haverhill place. Are uh, they amazing? It, it, it's just unspeakable. If anybody has a couple minutes uh, or, or anything to help with, uh, just drop it off. Everything is appreciable, and and it, it's really such an amazing thing. Yeah. And and you talked about these two gentlemen. Who, um, and I wholeheartedly agree with you, uh, the, the three words um, that should be just wiped out of the English language is a homeless veteran. Absolutely. And, and there's no need for that. And, and it's just amazing to me how people are complacent with veterans and, and, and people sitting on the side of the road and, and sleeping on the streets that they, they, they somehow have no uprising for them. Yeah. And, and, and people are now starting to say, well, you know, we have all kinds of rallies and we have all kinds of, of benefits for um, illegal immigrants who mm-hmm. come, come to this country. But we don't do anything for our homeless veterans or our homeless citizens, period. Right. Um, and, and I'm sure you're aware that um, it, it's, it's gotten a lot better. But for the last... I don't know, seven or eight years, there were thousands of homeless people living in hotel rooms mm-hmm. with, with four and five kids that had lost their house, uh, lost their job uh, through the recession and, and things like that. So, I mean, that, we, have to, we have to take what we're doing and, and, and try to throw it all out like Yahtzee and try to figure it out all over again. We're going to start over, say, okay, like why are we just throwing money at things all the time and not making a difference? I've, I've been walking around in Lawrence and talking to the people that uh, are in the, um, uh, the, the service industries for, for um, homeless people and shelters. And uh, actually I went to a place that you were at um, uh, the point, the point uh, I think they called it the point. And what, 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 you what weren't there when I went there. It was in Lawrence in uh uh, I forget the name of the place. I, I met them at the Merrimack Valley. Day, is it, was it Daybreak? Yes. It Daybreak might, Shelter. I think yeah. Karina said that you, you, you would come by. Yeah. So you look at the things, and we talk. We talked as a police officer, and as, as you know, I'm sure you've done this, I've tried to pull people off the side of the riverbanks in Lowell mm-hmm. at minus 2, minus 15 degrees. But where they were going, they would rather take a chance on the side of the river than to go down to a shelter where it wasn't really a a safe place for them and they were afraid what was going to happen 
if they actually ended up at the shelter right. because of one way or another, somebody they may not have got along with or, or whatever. So, the, so they'll take their chances mm-hmm. on the side of, of the riverbank, which is, which is horrible. And, I, and I've done that. And, and actually, I worked for Lawrence for a couple of years um, after I retired as a police officer. And we had volunteer nights that we went uh, to the riverbanks in Lawrence. And it was the same, same thing. And you just look at it, and, 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 and it's just overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It, it, people, I don't think people realize the problem that it is out there with homeless people that, that sleep on the side of the river. Right. And, like, you know, it's, we're getting into the um, – I, th- I think we're getting into the good part of the, the, the uh, seasons right now. We're it supposed was, to be anyway. <laughs> we, was, we keep getting promised all this global warming. I'm still waiting for it. Yeah, like Howie Carr says, we got two to four inches of global warming right. today. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's well, the, the reason, one of the reasons when I go live on Facebook when we're doing some of the homeless stuff is – I, w- I want people to see what I see when I'm driving around Lawrence. Because most people don't drive around Lawrence. They yeah. live outside of Lawrence. They don't want to go in. So we try to show them what's really there. There are four or five locations where you got entire tent cities set sure. up. And that never happened when I was a kid. I mean, you had homeless people when I was a kid, but you never had this. And the real shock of all of it is Lawrence is 90% Latino, but the homeless population is 90% white. Yes. And so you... you, you you can't believe that that's not on purpose. Like, you have to believe that, this, that that's on purpose. Sure. I mean, I, I very rarely run into a homeless Latino person in Lawrence. They're out there, but it's very rare that you run into them. Drive through the city of Lawrence. Drive through the city of Lowell. Look at the people panhandling. They're all white. Yes. And we've completely wiped out through the last eight years of Obama. And I'm not saying it's his fault necessarily, but I'm sure some of his policies had to do with it. You know, we've wiped out our entire middle class of white people in this country, and they're trying to replace them with people from other government, people, citizens of other countries that are coming here illegally because middle class white people aren't voting Democrat anymore. I really think it's a political thing that's the reason why we're seeing what we're seeing. It, it could. It, it definitely has something to do with it. I, I, I believe that um, I, I come from uh, two, uh, two families of immigrants, Irish and Portuguese, um, and I grew up in, in uh, Back Central Street in Lowell. And... Uh, it wasn't really um, a, a very big uh, neighborhood as far as um, wealth and income. Um, my dad was a firefighter uh, for Lowell, and uh, he always um, joked about the fact that he made more in his first year of retirement than he did the first 18 years he was a firefighter. Wow. So he took, a, he took a cut and pay of thousands of dollars back in the 60s to leave General Electric and, and take the job as a firefighter, his dream job that he wanted. He ended up working 32 years, and he retired. And it, it, it's like I was born and brought up in Lowell. It is the sister city of Lawrence. It's the same thing. Um, you listen to people say things such as, uh, do you, uh, people in Lowell say, do you want to be like Lawrence? I say to the people in Lowell, Lawrence is saying, they don't want to be like you now. Um, so we're paddling this ball back and forth, and, it, and it's been something that, I personally believe, and I say this all the time, that I think the Democratic Party has held the people in Lawrence hostage for so long that they haven't come through with anything that they have promised them. Right. They, they, they say things, they're going to do this, and, and, I, and I'll tell you this, Tom, and, and you go around Lawrence a lot, lot more than I do, I'm talking to people of every nationality, every color, and they're saying, I changed to unenrolled. I changed to unenrolled. They've been promising me DACA. They've been promising me whatever, citizenship. They've been promising me whatever it is that they've been promising. They've never come through. What's, how long has it been? 25 years yeah. they've been promising to take care of our comprehensive uh, uh, immigration reform. Right. How, how much longer do you have to wait for? Right. You know, and, and, and it's just amazing to me that, that they can sit there, the Democrats, the progressive Democrats, can sit there and say that we, we – we're gonna. We want DACA, but we're not gonna vote for it. Elizabeth right. Warren didn't even vote for DACA right. when, when it was put on the table. But she'll be out there tomorrow yelling and screaming mm-hmm. that that she is for DACA, but she's not. And most politicians are phonies. If you look at the condition of Lawrence 25 years ago, and then you add up the millions, if not billions, of dollars that have been pumped into the city from 25 years ago to today, and then you drive around Lawrence knowing that. What, where is it? It's amazing. Like, I drive around lines and go, where, like, when Willie got the $15 million bailout loan we talked about in the last segment, you know, I'm driving around lines and go, well, where's the $15 million? I don't see it. No, no new roads were paved. We didn't hire any cops. Actually, we laid off cops. We laid off firefighters. We laid off teachers. Where's the money? 
the, the Democrat Party has pumped millions, if not billions with a B, into Lawrence over the last 25, 30 years. And Lawrence sucks way more now than it ever did before. Lawrence is way more dangerous now than it was ever before. Lawrence has more problems than ever before. Lawrence has more violence, more drugs, more fentanyl. Um, I mean, the, 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 the rate of kids graduating that can speak, read, and write English is lower than it's ever been. So why do, why do, the, why do the people of Lawrence continue to vote for Democrats who make promises every year pump millions of dollars into Lawrence that they never see. Like, it goes somewhere. We don't know yeah. where it goes, but it doesn't go to them. And, you know, you brought up a good point when, when you talk about the kids not graduating speaking English. And, and, and it's important. You ask any Latino person that is of our age, anywhere in this country or in this world that the people do well, you go on vacation, you go to uh, Barbados, you go to Portugal, you go to, the, the people that are doing well for themselves, they speak English. Right. So when, when we have immigrants that come here, why are we saying we should let you learn through your native language? Right. No, you need to have the two languages. I wish I could speak two languages. I, I understand Portuguese. I don't know how to speak it. But my grandparents, when they came from Portugal here, I was able to answer them in English. They would speak to me in Portuguese. Mm -hmm. It wasn't allowed for me to speak to them in Portuguese because... I was an American, right, and 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 that's the way it was. So it it was, and and let's I mean you know just as many immigrants as as non-immigrants in 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 Lawrence. It's not that like they want it, you know, working around, looking looking, knocking on doors, walking around. The the people who don't like illegal immigration the most. Illegal yes, immigrants. Absolutely, I can tell you that for a fact. And people don't understand that. And I've had at least a dozen people say to me, when they let all these people get automatic citizenship, who's going to pay me back my 40000 I paid for my family right. to become citizens? Right. And you know what? What do you say to them, Tom? There's really nothing you can say. You're like, yeah, you're probably not going to get that back. Right. You know? Right. And, and, and it's a shame. And, and, and I think that it, it, it should be a process. And, and, I think when you give people stuff, if I gave you $20 or you earned $20, it's totally different. Right. And, and you appreciate the earned $20 more than the given right. $20. My mom used to say if you have two kids and you buy one a bike for his birthday and you make the other kid get a paper route and buy his own bike, which one's going to take care of it more? The kid that had to go out and work for it is going to take much more pride in his bike. He's going to make sure he locks it up. He's going to make sure he doesn't leave it outside the store to get stolen. Whereas the kid that you gave it to, he's not going to care as much because it was just given to him. Sure. And it's the same principle. Um, I, I guess my first question is, why are you campaigning in Lawrence? Why? Why are you campaigning in Lawrence? <laughs> Lawrence is going to vote nine to one Democrat straight down the ticket. I, I, and I tell every candidate, if you're a Republican <laughs> or you're not a Democrat, unless you get a Z at the end of your last name, every minute you spend in Lawrence, you're losing votes somewhere else. I, I just have to say this. I, I honestly feel... You can feel free to disagree with me if I, you want. No, I honestly feel that speaking to people in Lawrence, it's not the same as it was. I think it's going to be different. I'm not saying that they're all going to flip in, in, in Lawrence and become Republicans. Yeah, no, they're not doing yeah. that. <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen. Especially Dominicans think that Republicans are Nazis. Yes. That's what they're taught when they come here. Yeah, sure. And, so, and it doesn't change when, when the media that they consume every day are all left-wing uh, media outlets, radio, television, Univision, all of that stuff. Uh, it's all very anti-American, very anti-white people, very anti-military, very anti-police. And to them, if you're a Republican, that's no different than being a Nazi yeah. to so, a lot of them. So you, so you look at um, the potential uh, voting block in, in Lawrence where um, you get the amount of people that come out to actually vote um, is very low. So there's 50% of the people that are, that are eligible to vote that don't come out. Right. And, and those are the people that I want to convince to get back. I, I call them couch voters. They're the couch voters. They're saying they have said four years now. My dad became one. It was horrible. I, it broke my heart for my dad to become a, a couch voter. He said, there's nothing that I'm going to do. My dad was a Korean War vet. He, when he couldn't get to the, the polls, I would drive him there. And then he got to a point in his life, he just said, I don't, I'm not doing it anymore because my vote's not making a difference because those people are saying things and they're doing different things when they get elected. So it doesn't mean anything to me. And to me, that's 
not anything that I want to be part of uh, the conversation with Joe Espinola for Senate. I, I am a person who gets back to people. I am a person who is not afraid of the confrontations. I'm not afraid of the hard conversations. Um, matter of fact, I, 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 I speak with people that are Democrats, like high Democrats, like, like our parents' Democrats. Mm-hmm. So your dad was a cop. My dad was a firefighter. Strictly Democrats because Democrats were union people. Right. Not anymore. It, it, it's a whole different ballgame. But, but you look at these people, now they're saying... It's not like it used to be. Democrats aren't the same. So if, if I can get some more people off the couch, and, and I don't need to crush Lawrence, but if, if I can just walk around in Lawrence and talk to as many people if as you I can, can. If you can lose Lawrence 6-1 to one, instead of 9-1, to one, you yes. have a chance to win. And, and I agree with that. Right? Yeah. So it, it, it's amazing to me, but I, I, I guess I can, I can leave it with this about my campaign and in Lawrence is that if I can get around – and maybe put a question mark or a light bulb over someone's head about what's going on and how they've been let down and how they've been led to the trough to drink with no water. If I can do that, then I will be successful at, at, at running this campaign, win or lose. All right, so I guess my, my next question is, can you raise fifty to $60,000 to beat a guy like Barry Feingold, who's got more money than God. Yeah. Barry, Barry is, uh, assuming he's going to come out on top, um, he just ran um, a race for a treasurer, and he raised over $800,000 for that race. So right. it's, it's going to be difficult, and the people that I know that are supporting me are, uh, are aware of that, and, and they're um, actually... Um, motivated to 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 move on I, I did well on my first fundraiser a couple of weeks ago and i'm having another one uh coming up at the end uh may may 10th at long meadow golf club in uh, tooksbury so you know we have five five months or whatever and you use the money wisely and I, I i think that if if you you have grassroots and you have people face-to-face contact um is much better than the money stuff that you can get. I mean, I mean, let's face it. Money stuff is good. If you have a lot of money, then there are no blocks. There's no roadblocks. There's no speed bumps, and and, and it's good to do. But so you just gotta work work it a little bit uh, more smart than than uh, uh, someone who has eight hundred thousand dollars to run. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna kill the the last break. We can kill the last break, right? Yes. Yeah. Go straight through, Mr. Jonathan. Um, so you're running as a Republican. You're running for state senate. And you're running in a state that is clearly a communist state, right, Massachusetts. This is the state that elected Bonnie Frank, Ted Kennedy, Jerry Studs, Deval Patrick. I could go on and on, right? Elizabeth Warren. How do you plan on breaking that when the media is against any Republican that runs in any race, when the Democrat Party really kind of controls the state? How do you, how do you plan on breaking through that? I mean, I know there's a lot of people who are going to be voting against a Republican just because of Donald Trump. Sure. How do you break through that? How do, you, how do you get them to see you differently than they see the other Republicans running in the other races? So my slogan uh, that I come up with for my campaign is the difference between a Republican and a Democrat is a conversation. And I like that. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of long for a bumper sticker, but I like it. So doesn't the mass GOP. <laughs> so w- what, I, what I'm saying is I need to get out. I need to get out into the community um, I need to let people know that I am running as a Republican. This is the first time in my life that I've had a letter after my name other than a U or an I. And I, I, I've done it because I just don't want to be any part of the Democratic Party. And I have lots of good friends. You know the, the friends that I know that, that are in the Democratic Party. And, and quite frankly, some of them aren't really happy about everything that goes on in the Democratic Party. So... Um, the, the most of it is, is I have to get out there to everybody because I have to say, like, more than ever right now, I don't think people care about R&D as much as they used to. And I think right now with a small conversation with them, and, and all I say is that if y- y- you've been voting D for how long now and you've got nothing. Right. So what's two years? Give me a shot. And then you can vote me out in two right. years. Now, if you become a senator, you're going to be dealing with a lot of 
really important issues. You're going to be dealing with public record issues. You're going to be dealing with public safety issues. And you're going to be dealing with all the, all the ridiculous, excuse me, liberal uh, social issues, you know, transgender bathrooms and all the crap that, they, that the Democrats push. Um, tell people how, where you stand on some of those issues, on some of those social issues. Are you one of these Republicans that are a social liberal but a fiscal conservative, or are you, are you conservative across the board? Uh, are you moderate? Like, how would you, how would you classify yourself? If there's people watching, maybe they're not partisans. If they're partisans, they've already made their mind up. Um, Appeal to them. Tell them where you stand. Like, wh- how would you categorize yourself? Well, I tell people that if there was a gray party down the middle, I would have a G after my name. Because some issues, and, and I've known you a little bit now, some issues on both sides are intriguing and interesting and important. Right. Whether, you, whether you're a D or an R, there are some really important things on, on either side. Um, I think that the Democrats, what happened is they, you have one person who is offended by something and a million people have to be offended by the correction for that one person. Right. And, and, and like, okay, so we can't think outside the box to find a bathroom for somebody to go in that they'll feel comfortable with that doesn't make another thousand people uncomfortable with that person being in that bathroom. Not that, not that they... they wouldn't be welcome in any bathroom in, in, in uh, my school, at my, at my place. But I, I think that when they make these decisions, and when I say they, I talk about the country club on Beacon Hill, when they make the decisions, it seems like they don't think about everybody in a whole. It's just that one block of people that will take care of them, and that'll get the American right. Civil, Civil Liberties Union off our back. And the other people are too busy maybe working or, or doing whatever, and they're not going to kick their feet up publicly. Right. But privately, people have had it. They, they want to know why it is that their rights are always being trampled on. I saw a, a, a thing the other day when you talk about opiates, and, and opiates is a big thing in Lawrence. Yeah, I want to spend at least five minutes on that. Do we yeah. have five more minutes? Yeah, we yeah. do. So, so I saw a sign the other day. A guy, guy had a sign in Washington at one of the marches, and uh, he said, you want to ban an AR-15 when the AR-15 is pushed by somebody and you think that's going to save lives. If you want to save lives, why don't you just ban opiates? Mm-hmm. Ban fentanyl. Ban it. Illegally sold. And, and the problem will go away. But the money behind it is what is powering right. the push. And, and, and I mean, it's just amazing. And, and like you were saying earlier, friends I have, I, suppose, I still speak to, that are in law enforcement in Lawrence. And, and I remember when I first started in Lawrence, in Lowell, I spent um, every other shift in Lawrence on Haverhill Street with the riots. Do you remember right. the riots? I do remember, 1983. Yep, so, so I, was, uh, I was there every night uh, every other night, like one shift in Lowell, one shift in Lawrence. That's how we did it, mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, that's that's how we did it. And it's come a long way, but 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 behind the scenes, wise, quietly, there is a scourge killing people. One in every thousand people in Lawrence in 2016 died of opiate abuse. That that's unacceptable. It really is. It's unacceptable. What's more, what's even more crazy is that. You know, all of these politicians of both stripes, of both parties, run around pretending things are crises when they're not crises while they're ignoring the actual crises. Absolutely, yeah. And we see it in Lawrence. We see it in Lowell. We see the opioid crisis. It's hitting the suburbs now. It's hitting uh, middle-class white America now. Uh, we've lost more people to the opioid crisis than we lost in Vietnam. It's outrageous. And yet, and yet, whether it's Elizabeth Warren, whether it's a Democrat, whether it's a Republican, there is no effort at the state level and there's almost no effort at the federal level to do anything about the opioid crisis, to do anything about the hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people that are addicted, the people that have become homeless because of it. There really doesn't seem to be any kind of an effort at all. A lot of talking points, a lot of panel discussions, but very little people actually doing anything. Uh, What will you do? It, it, it's it's going to be something. I mean, obviously you're shoveling uh, up up the stream when you when you talk about it. But but I want I want to throw this out there. I lost my brother to an addiction, and sorry uh, to hear that. He, he was 45. It was 17 years ago. It 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 hits a, a sore spot for me. And the 
the thing that's hard for me to swallow is that at any other given time in his life, I would have said, ah, well, you know, when he ended up succumbing to his addiction, he was at in college. He was he just had that one breakdown and that was it. Wow. And it, it's something to me that I believe. But but what we're doing right now, and I say this with 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 a heavy heart and I say this with all convictions, what the people in Massachusetts that are making the laws right now, what they're doing is when the people jump out the window, they're throwing the net at them as they're going down. As they're going down. So what do we do? We go back to say no to drugs like Nancy Reagan. We put more police officers in the schools. And, and people say, well, that's going to cost a lot of money. Well, how much is Narcan cost right. us? You know, so we have a twofold problem going on right now. We have the people who are already infected, and then we have kids that aren't infected yet. So when, when, when your mother said to you, don't touch that fire because it's hot, and when you touched it, it was hot, you knew not to touch it again. Right. We're not getting that anymore in our school system. It's, it's all, um, you know, just ridiculous things. We're not teaching kids to be um, mature adults to make their own decisions to say, look, opiates is bad. Drugs are bad. I, I took my son, he's 14, to a doctor the other day, and the doctor said to him, do you smoke pot? He says, no. Why not? And my son looked at me, looked at my wife, and he, was at, he says, I'm asking you because I want you to be able to tell the people that want you to do it mm -hmm. and you don't want to do it. Right. So you tell them why you're not going to do it. So it, it's just little things like that, Tom. If we, if we can just get back to the basics when it comes to um, opiates and, and, and just having decencies, building the family uh, structure up again. The, the, the system, the entitlement system that's around right now doesn't work for the family. Right. It, if if you if you are a a woman who has two kids and you get married, you lose benefits. Right. What is that? What is that doing? Sure. That, that that doesn't promote any family structures. If you are a person who has two kids and they're you're watching them, but you know you, you want to really go get a job, you want to get training, you want to you want to, but if you go get a job and you make a hundred dollars a week, you lose your daycare. Right. So it, it, it and so like I think we need to put like let's let's take this all this whole system look look at together like and you have a, you have a, a woman who has two three kids right maybe she needs a break from her three kids you know to go out and and better herself to feel good mm -hmm. ab about that twenty dollars that we were talking about they have the twenty dollars that's earned or the twenty dollars that was given to them and 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 I think we can change the culture by just just starting little baby steps yeah um, I I. We only got about four minutes left. I know you said you toured the Daybreak Shelter. Karina Papalato at the uh, Psychological Center runs that. Um, and what I hear when I go down there, I'm there a lot, is that the elected officials don't care and don't do anything for the people who are already infected, for the people who are already homeless. If you become a state senator, can we get a commitment from you that places like Daybreak will be funded. I mean, they, they're dealing with 55 people to 60 people a night. I think their capacity is 50, and they overstock. Um, and and they, have, they spend a lot of money. I mean, they have to buy, um, you know, laundry detergent because when homeless people show up, they, got, they have clothes, and they do their laundry. They buy them food. They feed them in the morning for breakfast. And they're getting no help at all. They get, by the way, $0 from the city of Lawrence, mm -hmm. if you can believe that, right? So as a state senator, you're going to be in charge of funding. Can we get a commitment from you that not necessarily the Daybreak Shelter itself, but places like the Daybreak, that you'll help increase their funding to help the problem at that level? I mean, it's important to educate kids not to do drugs, but I think it's more important the people that are, uh, that are addicted now, the people that are homeless now, that there's some kind of a path for them to get back into society. So, Tom, having that said, when I'm, when I'm out, my, my experience as a police officer, my volunteering in Lowell, um, the Boys Club, the Y, all, all those places. When I met with the people at Merrimack Valley Food Bank, I just brought it up and I said, it always seems to me that you're fighting over the same pool of money. Mm -hmm. And when you get that little bit of your chunk of money, that, that you're, you're, you're duplicating efforts. 
and it seems like you're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this, but no one's doing that or before mm-hmm. the the middle part of it. Right. And and I said it almost seems like no one no one is getting across the finish line. No no one's able to get across the goal line, so to speak. And one guy said to me, "That's unbelievable. I've been trying for his mother was a um, a worker at the shelter that he was in. He's been there for 40 years." He said to me, I, there used to be a collaboration of these services in uh, like a, a, a board that would make sure that there's a database that people weren't duplicating, uh, um, you know, double dipping or, or whatnot so that there'd be more for other people to, to help them out. And he said, I've been trying for, for years, months, whatever, to get this collaboration back together so that we can all get on the same page. And, and I believe that if, if you get it, people, people gen, genuinely want to help their neighbors. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be ripped off. And if we can get everybody on the same page, find out wh- what, is, what is the needs, how do we distribute them, and how do we guarantee that with a low minimum variance of people double dipping that we take care of that. And, and I, I will promise to bring the money to all of my districts and, and across the, uh, the state of Massachusetts. That was a long way to go to actually get an answer, but what I like yeah. about you is I got an answer. If I asked Barry Feingold, he talked for 20 <laughs> minutes and not answered the question. I just thought it was important to tell you that no, what no, I'm getting right. when I'm talking to the, the people at the shelters, that they, they, they need more than money. Right. They, they need some sort of a collaboration. They need some more um, uh, organization uh, just because they feel that when people come in and they, they're looking for something, they can tell when somebody really needs something to right. them, when, when somebody really needs something. And when they don't have it, it's very heartbreaking for them not mm-hmm. to be able to not give it to them. One of, the, one of the issues that we're running into, and I know we're running short on time, one of the issues that we're running into, at least that I've seen, is uh, you know, you've got the Daybreak Homeless Shelter, you've got the Good Shepherd Center, you've got things for people to, to try and get them off the street and feed them today. Uh, once they go through that program, though, there's very little for them next. There's very little for them um, to transition into permanent housing. Um, it seems like there's a, there's a lot of, not a lot of money, but a lot more money in getting people off the street today and feeding them today and much less money and resources and political commitment from people. For those who have gone through Daybreak, maybe they've been at Daybreak for a couple of months, they want to get job training, they want to now get into some, some housing, they're you know, they trying to get their act together. And there is no next step for them. I know, I know, uh, you know, the, the psychological center has some programs for them, uh, but those those programs aren't adequately funded. Not for the need that's out there. Oh, and Tom, the the big thing that I can I can hang my hat on is I'm I'm on the uh, a board of a, of a vocational school, and all four of my dis- God bless you for that, by the way. All, all four of my districts have a vocational school in their district. Why can't we use that school? to train these people. I love that idea. To get a, get a job. Veterans can use their veterans' benefits so that they can train to be a plumber, to pl- train to be an electrician. I love that idea. I don't know why no one thinks about these can things. Can we talk about that? We have to end the show, but can we talk about that after the show Absolutely. at some point? Because I'd like to do a story on that. I think it's a brilliant idea. We've got all these vocational schools that actually train people in, in, in the trades and even in computers. I know the Greater Lawrence Voc has, has computer They're fantastic training. computer schools. And, and when the kids aren't there, like at the end of the school day, why not let some of these homeless people, especially homeless veterans, come in and train for stuff? I sure. think that's an amazing idea. How awful. And then we thought about that before. Right. I know. Well, this is it. This is why, <laughs> one of the reasons why talk shows like this are so important. And you and I pay for these schools. Right. We do. And so don't some of these people that want to use them. Right. Yeah. So why don't you uh, remind people we have to go off. We, uh, I want to thank everybody, uh, especially our sponsors, Twin Light Securities, uh, Century 21's and Teams and Gallus, uh, Fred the Barber. Uh, who, Angelo. Who, a- Angelo at A&M Auto Body. Um, why don't you give a final pitch for people? Uh, how do they find you online? How do they make a donation? And talk about your next fundraiser. Uh, my name is Joe Espinola. I'm a retired police officer from Lowell, Massachusetts. I currently reside in Dracut. Um, I've lived in um, um, a similar situation in, in Lowell as Lawrence. I know what it's like. I know where it needs to be. When I started in Lowell, it was a city that was in disrepair. 
and and it's time to 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 grab your city by the horns again my uh my my goal is to to make lawrence a better place for for people to live and and and, and empower them not entitle them let's empower people not entitle them and i think uh the fish story uh, comes in big when you do that uh you can get a hold of me at joe espinola for senate Dot com and you can also uh, come and visit me. There's a there's a uh, link on there to donate, and you can all come and visit me at uh, May 10th at the um, uh, Long Meadow Golf Club in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. I will try to be there if I can. Joe Espinola, thank you. Good luck on your on your campaign. Thank you very We're much. We're kind of rooting for you on the Republican side for sure. I'm Tom Duggan. Thank you very much to the voice of God. We didn't hear much from you today, but That's I appreciate right. it. And. Um, Next week on the show, we're going to have Essex County Sheriff Kevin Coppinger, who's going to come in and talk about the opioid crisis and how the Sheriff's Department's dealing with it. And he's also going to talk about some of the guards that they've fired for selling drugs, dealing drugs, and some of the crazy things that went on rampant. Uh, when he first came on board, and he's trying to clean that up. So, And don't forget, Tom, the difference between a Republican and a Democrat is a conversation. conversation. Thank you to Rich Russell, our photographer for here. Sean the Barista for my fine, fine coffee. Come by Two Guys Smoke Shop and come upstairs to Studio 21 and get a cup of coffee from Sean. He flies it in from Belize. No, where does he fly it in from? Uganda? Where is it? Tanzania, Tanzania, I got it right, eventually. Melvin Taylor says we got to go home already. Can you believe the show is over already? If Tucker can do it in an hour, there's no reason why we can't do it in an hour. I'll see you guys next Thursday. Don't forget the Valley Patriots on the streets, and you can get our book, uh, Heroes in Our Midst, from the pages of the Valley Patriot on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and in the Valley Patriot office. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.